Welcome to my podcast. This is the Dr. Raymond Havlicek and Friends podcast for Thursday, May 12th, 2023. Thanks for listening. Another beautiful day here in Lake Placid. It looks like we're having a string string of great days here in beautiful uh, northern Adirondack uh, area of New York State. Um, one of the most beautiful areas, I think, in North America, if not the world. It's very unique and very, very special. But at any rate, um, today I don't have any of my, my guests here. It's just me. And I've decided to uh, to talk a little bit about why I believe we must win in Ukraine. And so um, I've uh, done a lot of writing and research on this subject and want to present my ideas. Of course, you're all entitled to give me your opinion as well and by reacting um, to uh, what I'm going to say. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I feel very strongly about this. You should know that right now in Russia, people are being imprisoned and uh, arrested for speaking out against Putin. Um, I just read this morning that uh, one lady was given a two-year suspended sentence for um, saying that Putin was a murderer and he should die because of what he's doing to Russia. Uh, so there's there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of anger in Russia going on about um, the prosecution of this uh, on uh, this criminal war, I believe, against Russia. So at any rate, following World War II. The U.S. was immediately challenged by our former ally, the United, the Union of Soviet Soviet Republics (USSR), as they switched from being anti-German fascism to anti-democratic capitalism. The reason being that Stalin believed that Russian communism could not survive in a world dominated by successful, thriving, uh, uh, expanding democratic capitalism. Stalin's view was not new. The Bolsheviks' violent takeover of post-Tsarist Russia following the popular support for the socialists uh, and the failure of workers to revolt as predicted by Marx occurred because Lenin realized that communism would not survive if it depended upon free elections. Russian workers had experienced rapid improvement in their standard of living, thereby turning them off to a revolt against what was working for them. The Bolsheviks knew that their so-called social justice Marxist theories would never survive unless Marxist ideology was forcibly imposed upon Russia. The proletariat was not sufficiently intelligent to understand the vicissitudes of Marxism, or so um, the Bolsheviks believed. Um, fast forward to 1945, Stalin being a dedicated Bolshevik, realistically understood that Eastern Europe would quickly turn to the West following liberation from the Nazis, unless he stopped the transition. Uh, Stalin's secret police and military forced Russian communism upon all of Eastern Europe, thereby subjecting many millions to the tyranny of Russian oppressive totalitarianism. Witness Stalin's murder of at least 4 million, some say as high as 13 million Ukrainians, who were punished for resisting Stalin's communism. Witness those murdered for merely attempting to leave East Germany. Witness the Soviet tank invasions of Czechoslovakia and Hungary to suppress the freedom aspirations of those nation's citizens. Witness Soviet support for violent communist takeovers in North Korea, Vietnam, and Cambodia. Stalin's takeover of Eastern Europe occurred with the approval of the U.S., FDR and Truman believed their decision to enable the Soviet imposition of its sphere of influence upon Eastern Europe 
would lead to better relations with the USSR. Well, folks, they were wrong. The Soviets continuously bolstered its military with more men, tanks, jets, satellites, submarines, and nuclear weapons. The Soviets were not fearful of the West, though they tried to make their citizens believe that the West was the enemy of the Soviet Union's people. The Soviets built up their military to force the West into accepting their aggressive efforts to extend their control and influence. Communism spread to North Korea and Vietnam and would have expanded expanded further had uh, uh, America stood up, had uh, America not stood up to the communists. The reality, folks, is that the Soviets didn't want their citizens to believe that America and Russia were ever allies against the Nazis um, because they needed to continue to promote the idea that uh, the West was fascistic uh, to justify um, the imposition of communism upon their citizens without free elections. Ronald Reagan stood up to the USSR. Recall a speech in West Berlin. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, take down this wall. Reagan also said, trust but verify to those on the left who demanded unilateral accommodation of the communists. Reagan militarily outspent the decaying Soviet empire, which led to its disintegration. Reagan demonstrated that American self-confidence is effective. This is a point that contrasts Reagan's America first self-confidence with today's weak American Republican isolationists like Tucker Carlson and Jesse Waters and others. Republican former Governor Chris Christie is right when he recently stated that Trump is assisting Putin. You might have thought America would have learned its lesson from Chamberlain's attempt to appease Hitler in Munich of 1939. The actual takeaway should have been, you can't appease a psychopath who has a lot of weapons and who believes he can win with those weapons. Another theory advanced by America's left and its libertarian isolationists to explain why the Soviet Union was so militaristic is that NATO is to blame. These dedicated weak isolationists claim that we, America, imposed NATO on the Soviet Union's uh, Union's European borders to intimidate the Soviet Union. The reality is that former Soviet satellite Eastern European nations who were severely oppressed for decades by the Soviet Union's military and secret police needed no encouragement to seek membership in the NATO alliance in order to hopefully rely on Article 5 to save them from a second Soviet invasion. Witness the Soviet Union's two massive invasions of Finland, once in 39 and once in 1945, as examples of Soviet disrespect for neighboring nations' sovereignty. The isolationist lies are hard to listen to. Boris Yeltsin, Russia's first president following the collapse of the Soviet Union, explicitly stated he did not want confrontation with the West, unlike the psychopathic madman who currently is president of the Russian Federation. Uh, Yeltsin had the common sense to realize it's in Russia's best interest to peacefully coexist with the West. Yeltsin certainly never claimed the West was threatening Russia. Yeltsin's realistic pragmatism means that some within Russia's current leadership undoubtedly currently believe that Russia would be better off without its unprovoked war against Ukraine and without confrontation with the West. The West clearly has no ambitions about hurting Russia. 
there is no evidence indicating whatsoever that America is pursuing a proxy war against Russia, despite Tucker Carlson and Jesse Waters' uh, allegations. Despite Finland being severely bloodied by the Soviets twice, nevertheless, Finland remained outside of NATO for fear that Russia would punish them if they joined NATO. Finland mistakenly believed that peaceful coexistence was possible if they remained not aligned. Finland and Sweden now realize that Ukraine did nothing to provoke Putin's attempt to destroy the Ukrainian Republic. And despite their peaceful non-alignment and failure to be accepted into NATO, in addition to their agreement to return to Russia 1900 Soviet-era nuclear warheads and missiles, in return for Russian, American, and other European nations' guarantees for Ukraine's sovereignty, they were nevertheless massively invaded, destroyed, tortured, and murdered. Peaceful coexistence is viewed as a weakness and an opportunistic vulnerability by psychopathic dictators like Putin and, of course, Hitler. What was once an alliance against Hitler quickly became extraordinarily adversarial. Witness East Germany and its wall to keep its residents from leaving. The Soviets could not be friends with the West because their unelected, resented system of tyranny was incompatible with the Western ideals of democracy and free enterprise. The Soviets needed to threaten their own citizens with imprisonment, economic and social sanctions, or even death if they opposed Moscow's rule. Similarly, Moscow needed to encourage revolutions around the world with the intention of reducing the attractiveness and influence of Western ideals while making the world safe for communist imperialism. Wise counsel should be absolute totalitarian power corrupts absolutely, not the current uh, 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 cry of uh, America's weak isolationists, might makes right. Despite the collapse of the Soviet communism, Russia's new ruling class of oligarchs gave up on communism because if they had continued to embrace communism behind the, beyond the collapse of the Soviet Union, it would ensure the demise of their own power due to communism's repeated failure to provide people with their economic, social, and political needs. Hence, limited capitalist reforms under the oligarchs who stole Russia's enterprises from the people was embraced without democratic liberalization, somewhat similar to China's recent history. The secret police and military continued to play the same role under Putin as it did under the communists. Given Russia's persistent, aggressive, expansionist behavior, it is understandable that American foreign policy, at the very least, attempted to contain, if not undermine, Soviet efforts throughout the world. This American international theory beneficially contained communism, which resulted in a bipolar world that was relatively peaceful and stable compared with the first half of the 20th century. Unfortunately, at times, some of America's anti-communist tactics were attacked by America's Marxist left and used as a forceful political argument against America's foreign policy goals, as well as against the so-called injustices of America's political and economic system. It is entirely rational that the U.S. attempted to promote democratic, free, enterprise political systems throughout the world, even if those efforts may have resulted in unpopular wars like Vietnam and in Iraq. Sometimes we make mistakes, folks. 
a world in which the forces of tyranny, genocide, communism, fascism, and totalitarianism have free reign without the efforts of the West to check their aggressive expansionist, hegemonist inhumanity would be a world in which America as we have known her will surely decline until its prosperous constitutional institutions evaporate and we become a second or third world power while China ascends to replace the U.S. America leads the world because of its embrace of the freedoms democratic capitalism brings about. Yet many would turn their backs on a powerful nation on uh, a powerful nation and instead view America as too powerful. Well, folks, just look at the southern border if you want to see how popular America is around the world. They all want to come here. Traditional America is why so many want to come to America. So many wish to leave tyranny and oppression for the freedoms and hope of America. Just look at our southern border. They do not wish to immigrate to Russia or China or Iran. The conflict with our adversaries is not about the oft-quoted cry of the 1960s hippie lefts, might makes right. It is about the eternal struggle between freedom and oppression. Might versus right implies both sides are morally equally right or equally wrong, and that the only defining influence is the issue of military power. Those believing might makes right should see what life is like in Iran, China, Russia, or North Korea. I think they would quickly realize that life in a nation that throws gays off buildings or murders those trying to escape and then further punishes their families by murdering the relatives of those who tried to escape are nowhere near the moral equivalent to the U.S. regardless of our mistakes. Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran are history's failures. Fast forward to February 24th, 2022, when Putin unprovoked sent hundreds of thousands of his troops into Ukraine to decapitate destroy and absorb what's left of Ukraine into the Russian Federation. No question about, Putin, about it, Putin did not invade Ukraine while Trump was in office. Trump warned Russia against aggression in Ukraine, in part by providing Ukraine with $400 million worth of anti-tank weapons. Clearly, Trump's action deterred Russia since Putin could not anticipate how Trump would react. As Trump was leaving office, Moscow realized the new Biden administration would replicate the Obama-Biden administration's failure to hold Moscow accountable for its invasion and takeover of Crimea. Then, because of the Russian military buildup on the Ukraine's borders, Biden was asked what he would do if Russia invaded. Biden responded by saying, if it was only a small amount of Ukrainian territory attacked by Russia, America would ignore the attack. Biden's weakness invited Russian aggression. He bears full responsibility for enabling by, uh, Russia and pro providing Russia with the money to finance Russia's criminal atrocities in Ukraine by restricting energy production in the United States, thereby making America energy dependent and in turn increasing the price of energy and in so doing enriching Putin's coffers with money to pay for his unprovoked genocidal aggression in Ukraine. Putin stated that the disintegration of the USSR was his greatest regret. Clearly, Putin wants to reinstate Russian dominance and control over Eastern Europe. Putin began his invasion not in the east of Ukraine, but in the north in an attempt to decapitate Ukraine's leadership in the capital of Kiev. 
even if Putin is not motivated to reinstate Moscow's dominance over Eastern Europe, the perception along Russia's periphery certainly is that of the increasing Russian military threat. This perception led Finland and Sweden to request NATO membership after steadfastly remaining neutral for decades out of a concern for how Moscow would react. There is no way America and or NATO had anything whatsoever to do with Russia's naked genocidal aggression against Ukraine. Russia's special military operation in Ukraine, so-called special military operation, was motivated by Moscow's misbelief that Russia would take over Ukraine in a week. Surprise, Russia failed. Why? Because Ukrainians love their country and do not want to be a part of Russia. This fact, plus Putin's long list of war crimes, makes Putin a war criminal. America is certainly not seeking to have a war with Russia. This is pure Russian misinformation or disinformation, as well as American isolationist libertarian disinformation. The only nation in this conflict crossing international borders is Russia. So just how do these isolationists allege that the administration wants a war with Russia? After more than one year, Russia has failed to destroy Ukraine and or its will to survive. Ukraine has not asked for American troops, and no U.S. troops are fighting in Russia. Ukraine's many sacrifices point to a nation that believes in freedom and our Western ideals of democracy and free enterprise, and yet some in our country downplay that. In reality, Ukraine is on the front line of the West's struggle with tyranny and oppression, and for that reason, they are fighting for us as well as themselves, while sparing the West the hit. Ukraine needs and receives weapons and ammunition to fight Russia's massive military machine, though thus far the amount of weapons Ukraine has received has not been sufficient for it to win, though just enough to not lose. This, in, this is part of Biden's weak appeasement strategy. This war has been a David and Goliath conflict, and the West has demanded that Ukraine fight Russia with one hand tied behind its back. That is to say, they don't have the F-16s they need to win. Americans must ask themselves, what would happen if military support for Ukraine was stopped, particularly now that they seem to be winning? The answer is Russia gets to take over and absorb Ukraine. So what's next? Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, and Poland would be in Putin's crosshairs. The cost of an all-out war with Russia triggered by Article 5 would be many multiple times more costly than current American support for Ukraine. American financial support for Ukraine is dwarfed by the extremes and spendings Biden has caused, leading to American inflation and recessionary fears. Europe is now providing as much, if not more, funding to Ukraine than the U.S. and for good reason. They are in the line of fire if Russia wins. Russia must not win and Ukraine must regain all its territory if the U.S. and Europe are to have any credibility in the world. Then there is China's growing aggressiveness in Southeast Asia. Would China's communists invade Taiwan if they believe America is weak? Of course. We may be perceived already as sufficiently weak to justify the gambit of a CCP invasion of Taiwan. Those who believe support for Ukraine weakens America's deterrence for Taiwan completely misread the facts. 
Russia is being weakened daily by the depletion of men, material, and popular support, making them less of a military asset to China. Moreover, China's military planners must calculate the risk of NATO, Japan, Taiwan, Australia, and India acting, acting cooperatively in concert to confront a CCP invasion of Taiwan. Ukraine needs anti-tank weapons and Taiwan needs anti-ship weapons, and the West has plenty of both. America must reject its current flirtation with isolationism. Isolationism almost cost America World War II. America can be America first, MAGA, and can continue restraining our adversaries. In fact, support for America first ideology is enhanced, not diminished, by support for Ukraine as it lessens the likelihood of a protracted European war with Russia. How would Russia launch uh, a war against the West when it is failing to succeed in Ukraine. Well, you give them enough time to rebuild a military, and they could certainly do that if they thought we were weak enough. <clears throat> Should America retreat from our tradition of standing against totalitarianism, the world will soon become an, a unipolar, unipolar world dominated by the Russia-China-Iran-North Korea axis. Already we see the effects of America's foreign policy weakness on the dollar. <clears throat> China wants to replace the dollar through an alliance with Brazil, Russia, and Iran, and several other nations. A weakened dollar means more inflation and declining prosperity. Gradually, our schools and institutions will be overtaken by China. It's happening right now. American weakness uh, is enabling all of it. As a two-time Trump voter, I am in total disagreement with Trump's Ukraine-Russia solution. He said, if I'm elected, I will end the war in one day. This means he will twist Zelensky's arm into giving up Ukrainian territory for a ceasefire by threatening Ukraine with a cessation of American military assistance if Zelensky does not consent. A so-called negotiated outcome of this nature would reward Russia for its naked aggression and give Russia time to rearm for more aggression against Ukraine. In this manner, Trump is currently encouraging Russia to continue its genocidal war because by waiting for Trump to win, they could, uh, the Russians uh, waiting for Trump to win, they could achieve success in annexing eastern Ukraine. Thanks for listening. I welcome your comments. This is the Dr. Raymond Havlicek Podcast. God bless America. God help the people of Ukraine.